Welcome to Him for Her Radio, women's hot topics. Ladies, this show is for you. Find clarity, discernment, and discover who you are in Jesus Christ, all while exploring the hot topics of the day. She's an evangelist, founder, and president of Him for Her Ministries, and she's here to tell it like it is. Your host, Suge Burry. Hey friends, how are you doing? You know, we call this show Women's Hot Topics for a reason, because when anything is out there that we need to hear about as women uh, to stay sharp, to be in the know, we're going to talk about it on the show. And today's show is called There Is Still Inequality in the Olympics. Now, why am I talking about that and how did I come across this topic? Uh, Imagine, you guys, just for a minute with me, the world's biggest stage, the Olympics, where a sport requires adrenaline-seeking and cardiovascular endurance. All are a combination of strength, determination, and guts. Nordic competitors, whether in ski jumping or Nordic combined, are some of the finest all-around athletes in the world today. They are unstoppable, unless they're a woman. Today's topic is inequality in the Olympics. And how did this get started? In 2022, the Olympics are going to be in Beijing. And the Nordic combined remains, get this, the only Olympic sport in which only men can compete. So women will be unable to compete. Those who have practiced, those who have competed, those who have won are unable to go to the Olympics. Nordic combined is both ski jumping, friends, and cross-country skiing. So how did I discover this um, archaic injustice? It's no coincidence. My husband and I were at Lake Placid. You all know that we're traveling the country and we're interviewing people along the way. And we're standing on the very top of the ski jump uh, at the Olympics Center, the ski jumping complex. And we didn't quite know what was going on. We're looking down below. And who walks out but three gentlemen, Billy DeMong, Jed Hinckley, and John Norton. And we just asked him, could you, do you guys understand this? Could you explain a little bit to us what this is all about? And Billy went ahead and started to explain how everything works. And I looked at the guy because he seemed super knowledgeable. And I said, have you ever been down this jump before? And Billy said, ah, once or twice. And one of his buddies hit his arm. And we come to find out that Billy DeMong has won six Olympic and world championship medals, including the gold medal in 2010. And Billy DeMong is a five-time Olympiad. I guess he has been down that ramp once or twice. Uh, Once Billy and I got to chat and he heard about women's hot topics, he said, there is a hot topic that I think your listeners might want to hear. And that is on the inequality in combined Nordic. So, Billy, thank you so much for coming on. Hey, thanks, Shug. Thanks for having me. And yeah, that was really an interesting way to meet up. You guys were dressed in your motorcycle leathers, if I remember, and. Uh, on a road trip. And, you know, it was just sort of a casual uh, beginning there. But, you know, uh, I love telling people about our sport and explaining to them, you know, you know, on that day in particular, we we're just talking about what does it take? You know, like, what is what are the athletes like? What is what is it like to actually go down this thing? And when you're 26 stories in the air, you know, as somebody who's never done it before, and even somebody who has, it's it's more mind boggling to think about just letting go of that bar and and really committing to to flying through the air almost a quarter of a mile, you know, from where you let go of the bar to where you stop. 
you know, and you're in the air for four or 500 feet sometimes on that hill that size. So it's, uh, it's really fun to share that. But, you know, it's even better to be here today with some of the, the team. Um, you know, we've got Anna Hoffman and Paige Jones from the USA Nordic Ski Jumping Team. And then we've got Annika Malasinski, who's our top woman on the USA Nordic Nordic Combined National Team. Um, and they're all pioneers in their sports and, you know, young and hungry. And to be able to share, you know, kind of what's going on behind the scenes and how hard they are working to be the best they can be, but also having to, to face the challenge that, that they face both in, you know, trying to get their sports uh, into the games with Nordic combined, but also in the women's jumping side, you know, there's still fewer events, you know, both in the world cup and, and the annual calendar, but even at the games themselves, the women are not competing uh, the same number of times as the men yet. Um, and so, you know, we're really looking to, to broaden this. And I think with the popularity of these original extreme sports, they've been in the game since 1924 two of the original six Olympic disciplines and, uh, you know, the popularity around the Olympic games on NBC, et cetera. It's, it's just, it's, there's no excuses left why this has no. to be the way it is. And I so, mean, this is, this is 2022. I can't believe there's inequality in these sports. Um, just to help out our listeners or those that are on, we're on YouTube as well, friends. I know that many of you listen to us on the radio, then it goes to podcast and we're also on YouTube. Uh, we've just started that recently. Would you raise your hands for me? Anna, Raise your hand, Anna Hoffman, so they all know who you are. There you are, cute little thing. Paige Jones, raise your hands because so they know who is who. And Annika Malasinski, am I saying that correct? Yeah, Annika. Annika, Annika, good. And thank you again. And uh, Billy, my first question to you when we were on top of that jump, that huge jump, is what's the matter with you? Why would you go down that? How did you even get started in that? Would you share with our listeners back in the beginning? You know, I think all of us kind of come up in a similar way. We're from small mountain towns around the Northeast, around the Midwest. I mean, mountain towns in the Midwest, obviously a little bit different, but um, it's a very kind of humble beginnings at all of our clubs here in the U.S. from Alaska to New Hampshire. And, you know, when I was uh, nine years old, there was a cross country program I was part of. And uh, the local ski jumping coach came over and showed us this highlight reel of kids jumping and, you know, ski flying. And it was set to Van Halen's jump song. And, you know, it was just really inspiring. And so myself and a bunch of my friends said, yeah, we want to do this. And even back then, we're talking about 89, 90, there was quite a few uh, girls in our program um, that, you know, were, <laughs> were much better than me at the time, for sure. And, you know, I just... I to get back to your core question, I just fell in love with the sport. And even though I struggled at it for over a decade, um, you know, I, I just, I wanted it to fly so badly. And so you start on a tiny little bump, you know, something that you would take a sled off and not really think too hard about. And then it just progresses. And every jump has got a similar sort of design in terms of like, you know, the, the angle of the in run, the angle of the takeoff, which actually hangs a little negative. So you actually, you really do have to jump into the air. And then the landing hill sort of follows the flight profile of the design of the jump. And so therefore it's quite safe, but you know, it is the bigger the hills, the more intimidating they are. And, and every time, you know, you get to a bigger hill as a, as a kid. And then as a teenager, you know, you're, you're, you're making your way up toward that giant jump that you and I met on. And, you know, there's a gut check every step. And, but I have to say like, there's something magical about that moment when you let go of the bar and you commit and you're just focused on now the task at hand, like there's no backing out now, there's no way out of this. And so you have to be at peace with what you're, you're embarking on. And 
then you get to the takeoff and this is the critical point. You've got about a quarter of a second to make this huge movement from like a crouch position into a, like a full laid out plane, uh, you know, where your body's almost like horizontal in the air, if not even a little bit negative, creating lift and flying out over the hill. And that first like second or two, uh, you know, you, you sort of like have a brief pause after the takeoff, like, is this going to go, you know, and you eventually like within that half a second, your skis come up to meet you and you, you're able to start to feel the pressure and then start to lay on it like a plane. And it's just, it's this most addicting feeling in the world when you really start to fly and you can like soar down the hill and the further down the hill, the safer it feels and the more in control you feel. And you can really like, you can almost steer, you can pull. If you want to go further, you can kind of like give up a little bit. If you feel like you're going to go too far and you want to go a little shorter, you know? So it's like, it's the closest thing to humans in flight really up until these new wingsuits, you know, uh, that you see on, on YouTube and social media. But you know, this is, this is no joke. You know, you don't have a wingsuit, you don't have a parachute. It's really just your body and your skis as a wing. And, Mm. uh, it's just magical. Now you brought this to my attention when we were just visiting. Um, and it's, again, it's 20, almost 2022. I don't understand why, uh, this is not equal in the sports. It's the last one left. Why do you think that this is the last sport left that women are excluded from? You know, I don't have a good answer for that other than, you know, what's been really challenging for me and also frustrating, I think, for the international uh, uh, teams and, and, and community in Nordic Combined is that we found alignment on this in 2014, basically. You know, women's ski jumping was the second to last discipline to have this level of inequality where they weren't even in the games. And that was 2014 was the debut. And the American team really fought hard. Uh, to be, you know, not only at the top of the world, but also politically challenging the IOC and, and other leadership to, you know, say, Hey, we're ready. We want to be in the games. And like I said, you know, from early nineties, there was, there was a lot of young girls jumping and there's even historically back in the fifties and sixties in the U S there were women who competed, who tucked their hair into their helmets so they wouldn't get caught, you know, ski jumping. But by the, by the eighties and nineties, it was well accepted that women ski jump. It just wasn't accepted on the competition level. And so I'm sorry to make a a short story long, but, you know, women ski jumping was able to break through and join the the games in 2014. And they continue to fight on some levels of inequality that I'm sure we'll get to, but women's Nordic combined is now the last vestige of that. And, you know, in 2014, I, we sat down as a sport and we gave strategic goals for eight years to say, this is how we're going to build it. This is, these are the markers we need to meet the number of nations competing at this level, the age of the athletes with a, with an eye on on really getting the sport and the athletes and the nations prepared to compete in 2022. And I think, you know, this is where I get a little frustrated. Uh, If we go back four years uh, coming out of Rio in 2016, and really it was the summer following Rio when, the IOC starts to make decisions about the upcoming, you know, games. I sorry, 2018 after Pyeongchang, not Rio. Um, what are we going to do next? Next go around. And so there's, you know, different sports lobbying for additional events and new disciplines, adding trying to get into the into the Olympics. Like we saw skateboarding in last summer's games in Tokyo. Um, and so we all thought, hey, we're on track. We've hit every marker so far. Uh, we're on track to start the World Cup season on time and what was then to be 2020 and the first World Championships in 2021. 
Um, and that will, that'll be our strategic pathway to getting the, the women into the games in 2022. And to be honest, it was, it was almost like we all just believed, you know, being on the executive committee for Nordic combined at the fist level, that this was just like kind of a short thing. You know, we presented this plan. It's been socialized. Everybody's bought into it. We're good to go. And then the call comes in July of 2018 and the IOC had decided to add um, women's mono bob, um, which was a totally new discipline. There's never been one person bobsledding really before. Um, and they added mixed team aerials, I believe, um, and it, which was a mixed gender event. Um, but what they didn't add was women's Nordic combined. And what occurred to me then was one of the biggest issues is that, especially when you get outside the United States, where I think we're really hypersensitive now to a lot of social inequalities and, you know, we're working to make those, you know, better and, and sustainable. Um, but you get out into the international arena and, you know, this is also a, a much bigger business as a whole, but this just wasn't anybody's priority at the highest level. And so as we go into this, this season's games and we go through this process again, you know, our nations have really committed in the, on the front end to reaching out to the leadership from their nations. So we have from the United States, Dexter Payne is our FIS council member. He and I uh, both wrote letters of support uh, to the FIS council. We got our peers and other nations to do the same thing. So from the FIS council level to the, to the Nordic combined executive committee level. Um, and really the FIS council is the, the deciding body on what events do we want to promote the IOC for consideration to include in 2026. Um, and that's kind of where we're at right now. So those decisions are going to be made in May. But Does it look I, promising for 2026? You know, I have to say, Shug, this is, I think, why it's important to do media like this is that um, I'm not sure, you know, I want to make sure that this isn't just left to a chain of, you know, conversations and a few letters flying around the world to hope that the International Olympic Committee is going to wake up and, and realize that this is a critical step for, you know, the sport of Nordic combined, which really, you know, ski jumping and Nordic combined are attached at the hip. Um, but it's also a critical moment for women's uh, equality in sports. You know, we need to make sure that not only is equal prize money and equal number of events and, and all these other things important, but I mean, at the base level, if we're still dealing with issues like not including uh, the women's uh, the women's gender in the Olympic Games where the men have competed since 1924, that's a serious issue this day and age, especially when the sport and the athletes and the nations have all come together for a decade to say this is a priority and we're going to get it. And so now we've done that and we need the IOC to recognize that for inclusion in 2026. And, you know, it's um, unusual that this is still happening today, but it's not uncommon. I have also, as a woman, uh, felt injustice in different areas of inequality. And Tara Geardy Motes had said uh, uh, in an interview, she said, sexism in sports is endemic. I think it's going to take all of us acknowledging that and taking steps against it in every single sports. It's not an issue just in Nordic, Nordic combined, it affects pretty much every female athlete who competes at such a high level. Ladies, have the three of you at one time or another ever experienced uh, this inequality when you've been trying to go on a ski jump or cross country? Uh, what have you experienced and what have you felt? Just jump right in. Um, hi, I'm Anna. And um, <clears throat> yeah, I think that this has been something that uh, I think all of us could say we felt uh, from a young age is that, you know, uh, women are 
supposed to not be as brave as men sometimes. I think that there's sometimes that kind of um, mindset. I don't think that that's everyone. And um, I think that is changing a lot. Um, and so I think it is interesting, um, you know, being a young athlete when I was, I started ski jumping when I was like two years old, didn't even know how to like barely could walk. Um, and I started ski jumping because my siblings did it. And um, as a young child, I watched the Olympics religiously, um, summer and winter. And it really frustrated me to see that my sport, I couldn't even do it in the Olympics. So what was the end goal for being an athlete? Yeah. You know, I did it because I love the sport um, regardless. And I still do it to this day because I love the sport. Um, but that was something as a child growing up, and you just didn't really understand. You know, my brother did it. Both of my brothers did it. My sister did it and they were all good. And I just didn't quite understand um, that kind of inequality as a child too. And I think that that has um, really cemented in me and um, has been something that uh, has caused me to be so passionate about this as well. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, you ladies are trailblazers. I hope you understand that for the next generation to come as well. I mean, you're on the forefront of something so large and so important as this. Um, what inspiration do you get and what keeps you going? Um, hi, I'm Annika. Um, as Anna said, like the love for the sport is just everything. Um, I started ski jumping when I was 16. So I was a very late bloomer into it. And um, it's been really cool because I've been able to grow with the sport. Um, kind of when I started the COC starting coming around World Cups last year, Um, And now hopefully the push for the Olympics in 2026. But um, it's like, as Billy said as well, I mean, the feeling is just addicting. And the first time that I went off a 40 meter hill, um, it was the biggest adrenaline rush I have ever had. I'm pretty sure I blacked out a little bit as well. But at the bottom of the hill, I was just I was so fascinated and I wanted to go right back up and do it again. So your motivation is the adrenaline, the excitement. You're obviously very good if you started at 16 and you've already made such great strides. Yeah, it's definitely been a roller coaster. Um, I went through some, a bit, pretty big injury in 2018, but um, I would definitely say like the feeling of flying is something so undescribable. And um, I would have to say that I'm I'm kind of the adrenaline junkie and you know, I love that feeling. And I think that's what kind of kept me going right off the start. Now, why at 16 did you decide to start? Um, I was a gymnast for 14 years and uh, gymnastics became extremely tough on my body. You know, my body was growing and I kind of started getting more injuries um, day after day. And um, I was very lost at 16. I didn't know what I was doing. You know, my whole life I had been an athlete. Um, I did almost every single sport when I was a little kid. So um, I just like was so lost. I didn't know what I was doing with my life anymore. And my little brother, Nicholas Malasinski, who's on the U.S. National Nordic Combined Men Team, um, he I went to one of one of his competitions for the 4th of July um, competition here in Steamboat Springs. And I kind of looked at it and I was like, okay, this looks crazy, but I kind of want to try this. And two weeks later I was, um, putting on skis and going down a 40 meter hill. So 
Now, yeah. I kind of see a theme here that both of you had mentioned family had been involved in it. You know, that's kind of what brought your attention to it. But Paige, how did you get started in uh, this Nordic sport? Um, so I actually have no family that ski jumped. <clears throat> um, here, I grew up in Park City and um, we have the Olympic Park right here. And so there's a lot of programs to get like elementary school age children involved in these winter Olympic sports. And so I signed up for a program to do ski jumping for like a month and really just fell in love with it. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I was reading, um, you know, we're going to talk about this during part two, during the second segment, when we talk about the upcoming next generation, but I heard that the ideal age is kindergarten so that they don't have that fear yet. And they just want to go. Would you agree with that? I don't even know how old people are in kindergarten. (laughs) Um, But I started at nine. I think that was definitely later than kindergarten. But the idea that you have to start young um, is definitely there. Like, obviously, Annika Malisinski and on the um, ski jumping team, Logan Sankey, they both started later. And they're, like, proof that you don't have to start young to get into the sport. But most of us do start pretty young. Yeah. Yeah, and Sugar, I can comment on that just briefly, like, I think one of the things that makes us feel like you need to start really young, there is the fear basis for sure. And I feel like eight, nine, 10 is when kids start to get afraid. Like every time I've done a recruiting event in elementary school, it's like you show them a video and you say, who wants to learn how to fly? And like the kindergartners and the first graders and the second graders are all like me. And the third graders are like, nah. and the fifth graders are like, uh, nah, uh. Nah. And so there's that aspect of fear, but it's also a little bit in this country because it is such a pay to play system across the board, you know, all the way through the Olympic games at this point, you know, we're still struggling with athlete funding that, you know, a lot of programs at the youth level are just trying to make ends meet. And so everybody's fighting over kids constantly. And so if you don't get them in young, like you've already lost them to lacrosse or football or baseball or basketball or swimming or whatever, you know? And so I think that's what's driving us to, to, to try to recruit younger athletes, unfortunately, because I think to Paige's point and, and Annika's proof as well, uh, you know, this is a sport that really, you know, I think it's hard for most adults to like really want to go off a bigger hill. Um, but, you know, there's certainly, you know, we've had a, a friend of mine's son started jumping at 20 and he's, you know, he's been jumping the big hill and, um, and again, you know, Annika, I've watched, you know, I, I think the first time Annika, I skied with you, you were in a backpack on my back and you're about two years old. So I've known you for a long, long time. And it's been, it's, it was really cool to see you come out four or five years ago and, and compete at the 4th of July. And then just to watch you develop. And, you know, I think when people it's, it's breaking that barrier, both not just the gender barrier, but also that belief, like, oh, well, if they don't start by the time they're seven, there's no chance. So, Mm -hmm. you know, I'm really glad that you brought up funding. Um, I know that um, I had heard you mention an earlier interview in 08 and 09. It was really a struggle. They canceled a lot of financing for uh, the Nordic sports. Um, But I understand that you're working with Congress right now. What types of strides are you guys trying to make? Yeah. So this is a broader movement at this point. Um, You know, being on the team from 98 was my first year at the Olympics, um, all the way through the financial crisis where resource allocation decisions became, you know, really uh, harsh. You know, it went from like, you know, we're, we might have to have some reimbursements from athletes to like, hey, these programs are just done. We can't afford to send, you know, uh, teams that aren't going to medal tomorrow anymore. So we're just going to, we're going to focus on these disciplines with this medal potential. 
um, to watch that unfold and then to see my own sport go through it, you know, both with ski jumping in 2008 and then with Nordic combined following the 2014 games for the men's team, uh, was really hard. And so that's when, you know, I set out to, to try to build this organization, USA Nordic sport mm-hmm. to, to really, to, to try to build something new and, and to try to make sure that we're focused on, on building our sport and growing and developing our disciplines in this country with all the history and all the venues that we have, mm-hmm. but also to, to really, um, to do our best to resource the athletes to the best ability that we can, which again, you know, now that I live it and breathe it all day, every day, and, and these women know, you know, they still have to cover quite a, a lot amount of their yeah. own equipment and mm-hmm. travel expenses. So when it yeah. comes to Congress, we now have the Olympic Reform Act that has been passed and we need. So you guys, we're going to do a part two. I really want you to key in. I want you to listen. We're going to continue this conversation. This is Shugbury. You know I love you. Over and out. Hey, ladies. This is Shugbury, and I'm the host of Him for Her Radio, Women's Hot Topics. I am so glad that you have found our show amongst the millions of podcasts that are out there. Thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed it. If you did, would you please do me a favor? Like it, rate it, thumbs up. We're on YouTube as well, so don't forget to find us there. You can watch our guests also. Please subscribe so you don't miss a show. We also have started Him for Her Crazy Testimonies, and each of our guests that we have on the show shares their personal testimony how they received Christ in their life. This is Shug Burry. You know I love you. Over and out.